The prophet Amos is called by God to, you know, be a prophet. And he was just a shepherd, you know, basically kind of a farmer, a simple guy. You know, he didn't really have any training at all. And God says, I want you to go and preach my word to the people. And of course, as we know, the prophets never really, you know, made people feel comfortable. They were always saying things people didn't want to hear. So when you got called to be a prophet, you knew your life was going to be a mess. There was going to be suffering. It was not a job you wanted. You didn't want that job. But especially if you didn't feel qualified, as Amos didn't. God says, you know, go, go, I'm sending you. And he says, I'm just a shepherd. What do you want with me? How can I possibly be of any value to you? God says, I want you. Go. Stop asking questions. You know, we get to the the gospel, and Jesus is sending his disciples out. You know, and and there's varied uh, sort of qualities of education, perhaps, or sophistication with the apostles. But by and large, they're not, you know, they're just common guys. They're just regular guys, fishermen and the rest. And Jesus says, go out and minister. Preach, Preach the word. Preach that the kingdom of God has come. Well, we're not trained for this. What do you mean? Just do it. Just go. Quit asking questions. Just go and do it. You know, I think, uh, especially as Catholics, we have this sense that, you know, there's stuff the priest does and the deacon does, and then there's stuff that we do. And there seems to be this sort of bifurcation of of the two, as though they don't mix. So the priest does, you know, the priests and deacons do the the churchy stuff, you know, the church, (laughs) the sacrament stuff, and the preaching and all the rest. And then we do whatever it is we do at home. But the reality is that every single one of us is called to preach the Word of God. Every single one of us is called to uh, evangelize, to speak the good news of the gospel, to proclaim that good news to those around us. Every single one of us is called to particularly speak that into the lives of our families. This really hit home with me this week, this idea it was later in the week, and I went to anoint Peter and um, went over to the home, and his wife Sandra opens the door, and, oh, it's Father John. I'm like, oh, they know me. You might say, well, isn't that common? No, it is not. Usually, you know, maybe basically the, the state of the person, you know, if they're really ill, they're not always um, aware. Um, and a lot of times people call and they've been, they've been away from the church for a while. So, but she really knew me. I thought, whoa, okay, great. So she invited me in. She was very warm and went into the living room and there was Peter. And Peter's pretty young. And um, he's in a hospital bed in the, in the living room. And uh, I think he's in his mid-50s. And for two years he's been, he's been battling cancer. And it's gotten to the point now where they said, you know, we, we've accepted hospice, 
um, we've accepted that this is probably it. This is probably the end. And so, you know, we've been making preparations. And um, so Peter and Sandra were amazing. They spoke to me about their, you know, I'm coming to, you know, thinking I'm, I'm on, right? It's my turn to do the priest thing. And they're the ones who are being priests to me as they're telling me about their faith. They're saying, you know, we've been fighting this for, for a couple of years, and now we recognize that we need to leave it up to God. Now we have to turn this over to God. Now we have to let go of our control, understanding that, that we've done all we can. And, and now, you know, our lives are filled with people coming by and, and, and saying goodbye to Peter. And... Um, how touching that is, you know, expressing their love and, you know, also their sadness. And they were talking about these amazing experiences that they've been having. And then they're like, and there's the big screen TV, and we watch you every Sunday. So, hi, Peter and Sandra. I hope you're watching. Um, Father, we watch you every Sunday. And then there were, you know, many compliments about that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, I just want to come back. Can I stay for dinner? <laughs> you know, um, this is wonderful. So, you know, the, the point I'm making is that I went there thinking I, you know, I had a job to do, which I did, but, you know, that I was going to go to minister. But I left just really deeply touched and affected by their love and their kindness and especially their faith, their confidence in Jesus Christ and what he's doing for them, even in the midst of imminent death. You see, we're, we're all called to make our homes and our existence like that. We're all called to be Jesus for one another. We're all called to share that love for one another. We're, we're all called uh, to be faithful and to share the faith, especially with our children and our spouses. I have some other friends, uh, this, this happened some years ago, and um, their daughter came home from high school one day, and she said, my friend Sarah is, is getting kicked out of her house. I'm like, what? 16 or 17 years old, 17 I think. Why is that? Well, she got pregnant, and her parents are demanding either she have an abortion or she has to get out. And can you imagine the pain that girl was going through? Can you imagine the, you know, being forced to make that decision by your parents? And of course, unfortunately, it's not uncommon. And so, they said, well, bring her over. Let's talk to her. So they brought her over. Then they gave her a bed. And then they gave her a home. And they and their family took care of her until she gave birth to her child. And their group of, of friends ministered to her. I can't think of a more pro-life thing to do, but... Also, just what a loving thing to do. I mean, you think, just consider, like, how would I open my home to somebody I barely know? 
Well, you could only do it if you're convicted of being a witness. You could only do it if you truly want to minister to other people. One of the things we've done here is we've changed our religious education process. And we've now said, well, I've said that, (laughs) okay, the way it's going to work is, parents, it's your job. That's, by the way, what the church teaches. It's your job to teach your children the faith. It's not my job. It's not. No, it's not my job. It's not the deacon's job. It's your job as parents. That's, that's from on high even. That's not just from me. That's the role of the parent, is to teach their children about Jesus Christ and his love. And so we've changed over our religious education process to, to reflect that and to reflect that the parish is a support to parents. Because the home is to be a domestic church, a church where worship happens, where people pray together, where mom and dad gather the kids, or if it's only mom or if it's only dad, what, you know, whatever the construction of the family, they gather the children together, they teach them to pray, and they really teach them not just to you know, say their prayers, but to actually make an act of worship. Parents are even allowed to, to bless their children. It's one of the only blessings that lay people can give is, is to, to actually bless their children using holy water or not. You can always bless your children. Parents are called to model the love of Jesus Christ. There's so many things as a parent you have to do, you know, and, um, you know, you want to provide for your family, you want to work hard for your family, you want to make sure to raise the children right, you want to um, find the right schools, I don't know, teach them how to eat a healthy diet. I didn't get that. Um, (laughs) uh, It's just obvious. Um, I'm working on it. Hang on, I'm working on it. Anyway, there's all these things, you know, you want to teach. How do I raise them in virtue? And then you're trying to teach them things, and then you see your mistakes reflected in your children. I've, I've heard this told to me many times. But what your children need to know most of all, and I especially want to say this to the men, because I think that for the women, usually it's easier. Not always, but usually. Men, your children need to see and experience the gentle heart of Christ through you. I mean, it's true, you know, men are supposed to be men, whatever that means anymore, and we're supposed to be strong, and I believe in that, but I also believe that women are supposed to be strong. But I think men often forget, or they aren't reminded enough, that if we're truly to reflect Jesus Christ to those around us, we have to start with our children. They have to know not only that you love them, but that you're reflecting divine love itself. Their relationship with you as fathers is going to have a huge impact on their relationship with God. 
And it doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't mean that you're not strong. It actually takes quite a bit of strength to be that vulnerable and yet maintain, you know, proper boundaries of father-child. I, of course, encourage moms to do the same. You know, if you grew up, uh, I grew up much of my life with a single mother, and um, because of that, she was probably a, a bit more strict or severe than because she felt like she had to be. She was the only one. And I know that she, she lived out that fear of that, right? Because my kids are often alone, and so she's more strict. And I'm sure that moms, you, you struggle with the same thing. Anxieties, you know, fears, how's it going to work out? What's going to happen to my kids? They need to know your gentle heart also. And spouse is the same. If there's no gentleness, if there's no real vulnerability, there can't really be much of a relationship. I mean, I would say the same thing as a priest. You know, if there's never any gentleness, which is basically my 30s, that's a joke, all of my 30s and into my 40s. But if there's, you know, never any gentleness, if there's always just you're doing things wrong, right? I mean, who wants to hear that all the time? We hear that enough in society. We also need encouragement. We need both, but we need encouragement. So what I'm asking all of you to do is to reflect on your families. What is, my, is my family truly a domestic church? Is my family a place where my children, my spouse, encounter Christ through me? And is it a place where other people encounter Christ? So that when I invite them in, when we invite them in, are they, do they say, wow, there's something different here? This is, I don't know, there's something different. What's the deal? You know, are you like church people? <laughs> well, sometimes you know, on our good days, when we can get the kids together. Yeah, we're church people. We're Catholics. We're faith-filled. We love Jesus Christ, and it shows. It shows so much that people don't even really need to ask. So let us reflect on that. How can we be better? How can we grow? And know that God has called us. We may not feel like we have the tools to do it, but we do. He's already called us. He's not asking for us to ask the question, why? He's just looking for a yes. Yes, I will do it. Please stand.